Welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Lodges podcast. This is episode 28 with Derek Franklin, who is the GM and head coach of Heat Check Gaming down in Miami, Florida. Some admin things off the top. First off, this is our first officially sponsored episode. And so thank you for our sponsors, Jag Insurance, for giving us a place to record the episode down in Miami for all of the videography and photography work that you guys did for the video portion of this episode and really just content for the podcast. So special thank you to Fernie Alvarez and Luis Montejo. We really could have not made this episode happen without you guys because I am located in Tampa, Florida, as many of the listeners are aware of. And so we were able to travel down to Miami, meet up with Derek at Jag Insurance headquarters and do this episode in their amazing podcasting room. So I think it was a great experience on both sides. So again, shout out to Jag Insurance. If you're in the Miami area, please make sure to check them out. But with that being said, I had the great chance to sit down with Derek Franklin and we really just chatted about his life story um, from kind of where he started to how he got to become the GM and the head coach of Heat Check Gaming, how he had originally and initially splashed into the NBA 2K community and what he's up to now as the GM. You know, what does that mean to be the GM of an NBA 2K team? And I think he does a great job elaborating all that. And he just has an amazing life story that I think a lot of you are going to enjoy enjoy hearing. So with that being said, this is the Lodges podcast up next. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Lodges podcast. This is episode 28. This is a special episode today. Uh, We're doing this live. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you guys for tuning on there. And if you're listening through audio, like typical, appreciate you guys joining us as well. Um, Derek, we're just going to hop into it. Usually, you know, we're over Skype and it takes a second. But first off, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming appreciate on. You. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. Um, this is exciting for me to be in Miami doing this. We haven't done a live show yet. So usually it's over Skype, over the phone. So you're kind of the first uh, in life episode. <laughs> so it's going to be exciting. Um, but I just thought we'd start off. A good place always is just to, you know, hear your background story, where you've come from, where you were raised. Um, you know, I thought that'd be cool to jump into. Cool. Uh, so I'm from Houston, Texas. Uh, I did uh, eight years in the Army, six years active, two years reserves. Um, deployed twice, once to uh, Taji, Iraq, other time to Kandahar, Afghanistan. Hardest times of my life, really. Uh, yeah. You know, because it's not something that you're used to. Uh, it's a whole nother world. I think that, like the first time that I uh, got to Iraq, uh, I was on the phone with my, with my daughter well, Skype with my daughter and her mom and uh, just randomly just having a conversation. Like I had just yeah. got there maybe two days and boom, out of nowhere, you know, it's, it got, the, the camp got hit and like, wow. the power went out and I'm like, oh my God, I am not supposed to be here. And, you know, I, I joined the Army uh, to give a better life for my daughter because I wanted her to have stuff that I didn't have growing up. So I joined. Then I also got out for my daughter. Uh, my daughter was at three or four at the time. I was getting ready to go to Afghanistan and me and, my, me and her mom had separated at the time, and so she, uh, I was I was t- here in Tampa. I was down in Tampa and visiting uh, her, and they dropped me off at the airport, and she goes, my daughter's like three or four. She goes, Dad, I don't want you to die. I'm like, what? Wow. I'm like, you know, that's, that's heavy. That's yeah. heavy for, yeah. for somebody that age. And she goes, you know, anytime I see somebody on TV that's in the Army, they die, and I don't want you to die. And at that moment right there, like, all bets were off. Like I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I know that this was gonna be my last time going uh, overseas. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't realize at the time. I did. Uh, I think I did nine months in Afghanistan. Nine months was over. Came back. You know, you know, went through the process of getting out, and just went moved back to Houston. No plan, no nothing. I had no idea what I was going to do. I started going back to school for marketing, and um, at that point, you know, it still was like, you know, I don't really want to do this, but you know, I'm good at this type of stuff, so I'm just going to go through it. Right. And um, I just started uh, when I was when I was deployed. I started playing 2K and stuff like that, and so, but I didn't think none of it. Mm-hmm. When I got back home and started uh, going to school. I was just I wasn't working, just going to school, uh, using my GI Bill, getting paid to go to school, and so I was, I was that was like my income at the time, yeah. just going to school, and I started playing 2K more. Uh, around this time, I realized that that it was just no structure as far as 2K was going, as far as like the the best players that play the game. Right. You didn't really know who the best player was, so um, I I tried to create something and create a voice for everybody. Um, that's when Famous Enough came along. It was, okay. The whole slogan was basically, you're famous enough just being yourself, just be you or whatever, something yeah. like, sort of like that. And so October 2016 is when I first, I created, I made the, the Twitter for it. Zero followers, no nothing. Um, it was, I was you famous enough? Yeah. Was you, okay. So I, I was I was a player. I was a player and I was going by uh, Russ Snow at the time, but I didn't want people to follow this Famous Enough based on knowing me previously so I right. just created this whole new persona uh, when it came to that um, that persona just kind of like everybody just wanted to know who was this person who was this this and a third so basically what I would do is I would just go into Twitch streams and watch the games as, as they're going along mm-hmm. and after the games were over I would like screenshot the um, the box score and I'll post it on Twitter and be like this player scored this many points yada yada something of the sort this was in 2016 so was this the first year of the 2K League? no no it wasn't even thought about it at okay, the time okay. so, so that, that's what makes this so cool right I, I, I created this lane with no end game I had okay. there was no there was nothing to say, oh, you're gonna do this with this, you're gonna do this with this. It was just out of nowhere. So uh, this, as I grew, as the page, as the Twitter grew, and, and more people started to follow, um, I just started to start doing YouTube from it. Uh, start creating YouTube video, and that's when I started creating basically like pro am sports center videos. Okay. It was like a whole sports center layout for the videos, and and that at that point, that's when players were like. I have to make Sports Center. So now, yeah. <laughs> now it's like picking up right now. Now this this traction gaining on it, but still, there's still no end game for me. So I don't know, you know. You're just in the space, kind yeah, of. I, I'm yeah, I'm like, I'm like, uh, at this point, I I moved from uh, Houston to Indiana um, because I wanted to go to school. I wanted my master's to be in analytics. So mm-hmm. I used one of the best schools for analytics. So I said, let me go ahead and make this transition now. While I was still in school for marketing, I was just want to make that. Just wanted to be a. a an in-state resident, right? To after you know, you know. And where were you attending university at? Um, when I was in Houston, I was attending uh, school at Texas Southern University. Okay. And so then I moved to and I moved to Fort Wayne, and I started going to IPFW. Okay. Um, from there, I was going to go from IPFW to IU for my master's program, but I didn't make it to that point because stuff started happening. Okay. You know, stuff started <laughs> happening fast. Yeah. So um, as I'm going to um, as I moved to IPFW, I moved to Indiana. Uh, I start. I, I get a job at the airport. I'm doing like fueling at the airport or something like that. I'm going to school for marketing, but now I'm also doing this this famous enough thing. Mm-hmm. This famous enough thing probably take up more time than anything. It's taking up a lot of time, and uh, still no 2K league is announced or nothing like that. I'm still I'm growing on YouTube, uh, getting bigger and bigger. My my uh, following on Twitter is getting huge, and mm-hmm. it's 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 starting to take off. It's starting to take off. Yeah, but. 
February, I think on February, the, the, the month of February, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she, uh, my birthday was coming up. She said, this was February 2017. Okay. Uh, she says, uh, I, w- I want let's take a trip for your birthday. She books up a, books us this trip to New York. I had never been to New York. Okay. We were there for a whole week. And she's like, the only rule is you can't be on your phone. Now, at this time, you know, I'm, I have probably 7,000 followers or something like that on, on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, this, this, is, this is who I am. My That's phone, big for you, yeah, because yeah, like, you're focused on yes, that. So my phone is way, like yeah. just in a third. So yeah. the day of my birthday, actually, um, we, she said I can check my phone at nighttime. When, when we finished with all the things, right. we were out in the city doing. Yeah. So the, I check my phone at night. Uh, it's probably like 11.50 or something. I'm going through tweets and everything, yada, yada, and third. As soon as midnight hits, boom, out of nowhere, Sports Center, uh, ESPN reports that the NBA and the 2K and uh, NBA 2K have created this this 2K league, and mm-hmm. and it's chaos. It's yeah. ca- it's complete chaos on Twitter, and everybody's going crazy. Like, what is this? What is this thing? What is this? And still, I'm like, okay, this is cool, but you know, uh, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing because I'm growing at this rate. I don't know anything about this thing. Right. So, um, this around May or so comes around I'm like you know what maybe I should try to get a job in this thing I know a lot about 2k I know a lot about these players I have a lot of data on these players I know their tendencies I know everything about these players because I'm one of the ones that watch them probably 14 15 hours a day because up until that point you're really kind of like an analysis basically exactly. like you will be if you're watching sports center exactly. and watching LeBron or Wade or whoever and break that down and okay. exactly and I, gotcha. I'm, I'm cre- I, I created like uh, like uh, rankings and everything on the players I had all mm-hmm. this I had all this stuff I that yeah, I didn't know I would yeah. need. I right, didn't. Right. I didn't know I would need it because 2K League wasn't a thing. But I had this stuff available to me that I was, that I was going to create content with. But when the 2K League got announced, I said, "Let me hold on to it." So uh, May comes around. I think uh, in June, rather June comes around, and the Kings put out uh, a hiring thing for uh, Sacramento Kings. Put out a hiring for uh, esports uh, general manager or whatever. I'm like, I could do that. You right. know? So. I try to think of creative ways to get their attention. So I'm at work one day, and I'm, like, just thinking around, thinking around. I'm like, okay, I got it. So I go home. I apply for the job. After I apply for the job, Andy Miller, uh, one of the uh, the co-owners of, of the Kings, mm-hmm. he's big in esports. He own, he's a part owner of NRG, and, yeah. and he's – and he's big on Twitter as well. Right. So after I apply for it, I basically tag him on a tweet, and I'm like, hey, everybody, go tell Andy Man on the Kings to hire me. To so, get that flood of tweets and yes. try to get you some exposure. Yeah. So that's yeah. exactly what happened. He ended up getting flooded uh, with tweets and everything, and probably like after like 10 or 20 minutes after I posted that, he randomly DMs me. Uh, he wasn't following me. He started following me on Twitter, okay. and then he DMs me. He said, "Wow, you're pretty popular." Um, <laughs> he said, "I'm going to have somebody contact you." And like three minutes after he he sends me that, somebody from the Kings uh, on a burner account basically <laughs> hits me up and was like, "What's your name?" And uh, we're going to pull your resume and your and have a look at it. And he wants us to take a look at and uh, see what you have. So August comes around. I interview for it with them. Yeah. And. I think it went well, you know. Andy Miller, he he uh, DMs me, he says good job, whatever, blah blah blah. I do a second interview with them as, after that, and then uh, after the second interview, I get a uh, email basically rejecting me. Um, you didn't get it. No. Yeah. I didn't get it, and the the, the thing with they that they said is that you know they wanted somebody who understood sponsorships and all that, and I'm like you know I. Don't, I don't You're have more a clue on the marketing side. Yeah. yeah. So when they asked me this question in an interview, you know, my I framed it as you know, 
I'm I'm new to this I'm new to this smart uh, this scene, but with the help of the Kings, you know, I think like we'll be able to grab sponsorship shot yada third. Which right. I thought was a great answer, but you know, all in all it didn't work out and at the time I'm like super depressed. I'm like, you know, ah, maybe I'm not meant for this. Maybe this isn't for me. And this was um around September or so and um I think about quitting everything. I wanna quit you no know, Twitter, I wanna quit YouTube and mm-hmm. and my girlfriend says something like, um, why would you why would you create uh build a frame for a house and then walk out of it when it's almost done? At the time I'm like, What? <laughs> and, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like I'm like, whatever. You like, okay, you're trying to cheer me up and then right, a few right. a few weeks later I was like, Oh, I get what she's saying. She right. said, you did all this to get here. Why quit now, basically? And so I just continue. I get back on YouTube and stuff and, and continue that way or whatever. Um, and on YouTube, are you just creating, like, breakdown videos or kind of what was that content that you put on, on YouTube? It's just like just like SportsCenter. Okay. Um, so I, I watch a game. I watch a couple games that night, and I would just take the um, some clips from the games and, and just put them on SportsCenter and talk over the clips and and say, you know, this is what happened here, blah, blah, blah. Then I post the box score at the end or something like that. Right. So it was it was super uh it was creative at the time. Right. It was, it was super uh interesting for for the players because it wasn't something that they had at the time. Right. So um December come around, the heat post uh the heat post, you know, a hiring thing. I applied to it and I don't think nothing about it. I, and you're in Houston still at this I'm point? In, I'm in still in Indiana. Or Indiana. I'm still okay. in Indiana, okay. and I don't think nothing about it. And after I post for, uh, applied for the heat job, um, then Brandon Donahue, which is like the uh, the managing director of the NBA 2K League, he mm-hmm. uh, he messages me. He's like, hey, Famous, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a player or do you want to be on the business side? Because at the time I was still playing, and I was still really good at the game. Mm-hmm. And um, I just told him I want to be on the business side because I think uh, – it's more beneficial to me to be on this side because I more, know more about the players. Right. And, um, so he tells me, he asked me for my resume on cover letter. I sent it to him uh, and a couple more other teams. I applied for a couple more other jobs for teams and decline, 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 you know, type of thing. And right. I'm like, you know, you know, this is crazy. Yeah. Then randomly, one day in January, uh, Ben Spoon, the owner of the Misfits, he like dealing with me and mm-hmm. he's like, we need to talk. That's that's what the DM says. That's what the DM says. The DM just says, DM just says <laughs> we need to talk. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, what's going on? And he, you know, he said, what's your email? No, he said, he says, email email me your, your resume. So I send him my resume and my cover letter. <laughs> and I don't hear nothing from him. And I'm like five, ten minutes past. And I said, okay, I sent it to you. And it says red at the bottom. That's it. No no response after that. I'm like, okay, this this guy's weird. Of the DM, the tw- yeah. tweet DM. Okay. The, the okay. DM just said, it just said, it's and you just got left on red and you're yeah. like, great. I'm like, this, I'm like, this guy's weird, you know? Right, so right. I go to work the next day and I come home, uh, I think around, I got off work like at two o'clock. About 2.45, my, my phone rings, I answer it and it's, it's being spooned. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I wasn't prepared for this, but you know, He just hello. hits you up, yeah. Yeah, randomly. Yeah. So, we having this conversation, and this conversation doesn't feel like an interview. It feels like, like I'm just talking to my friend. Right. I don't. This is my first time ever talking to this guy. Yeah. And you know, he's just saying all kind of stuff just out of the blue and just, just random. I'm like, okay, this is. I don't know where this is going, but this is whatever, you know. Yeah. And then he asked me, um, he asked me, what what other teams are are um, are you talking to? And I tell him it's about three other teams that I'm talking to. The crazy part about this is that. In the middle of this of this phone interview with Ben, I get a I get a, a rejection email in the middle of this interview, and I'm like, "This is crazy." From just another 2K from another team, team. yeah, okay. yeah. And so, uh, and so Ben's like, "Hmm, 
you know, I tell him one of the teams I'm talking to, he said, hmm. He said, well, I'm going to try to get you on the phone with an executive from the Miami Heat later this week. So the next day while I'm at work, I think about 9 a.m., I get an email from the Miami Heat, from somebody from the Miami Heat, and mm-hmm. they said, would you be able to talk today? And I'm like, yeah. And they asked me what time. I get them a time, and um, I get home. Probably like at 3 o'clock they called me. And it's about it's about seven people. I can hear like seven different voices on the phone or whatever. Wow. So at this point I'm pretty shook because this, this person that I'm talking to is the executive VP of marketing, Michael McCullough. And Michael McCullough is – at the time, I had no clue who he was, but they mentioned his name in the email, so I looked him up. I'm like, this guy is this guy has done a lot. This is this right. is this is a this is a big deal right now. This is a big deal. Right. So and while I'm talking to him, I'm like super nervous. My heart is like beating out of my chest. And um, at the end of the phone call, he tells he tells me, you know, we really like you, and we're gonna keep in touch with you. Um, whatever, whatever. So I've heard that keep in touch thing from teams before, and that's basically we'll get back with you in a month. Yeah, right. that's that's the time frame. Each each call is usually like a month. Right. But so far with the heat, it's been two phone calls in two days. So um, Wednesday, uh, this was Monday, Tuesday. Then Wednesday goes by, I don't hear nothing. Then Thursday morning, uh, the the same person from the heat emailed me at nine o'clock again. She's like, uh, "Will you be able to talk later today?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll be able to talk at the same time." Uh, they called me back. It's Michael McCullough, and he's like, "We want to offer you the job." So I talked wow. to them three times in four days, and they offered me the job over the phone. They was like, we don't normally do this. We like to bring people out, and we want to meet them in person and see how it is. But mm-hmm. we, we, can't, we can't fumble this with you right now, and we want to make sure that we get you before anybody else do. Mind blown at the time. Like, I'm, Which I'm, makes you know, feel very wanted, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the crazy part about it, after um, I think last year or so, I asked my boss, I was like, Lauren, um, when when did you guys start tracking me? She said, oh, we started tracking you right after August when the Kings passed you up. I was like, so y'all waited that long to hit me up, <laughs> you know, type of thing. And so right. it, it was a crazy experience. They flew me out um, January 23rd. I flew out to Miami. And January 23rd of 2018, mm-hmm. flew out to Miami. And um, they filmed a, a, a short video of, you know, me Announcing what team that I'm going to and stuff like that. Right. And um, they had me stand at the Malia right downtown. I was right. Like, this is crazy. They took me shopping and all this crazy stuff. And um, yeah. mine just blown. Like my mind is just totally blown about everything that's going on. And um, February the 20th, I went back home like two days after that. January the 25th, I went back home. February the 20th, I moved out to Miami uh, permanently and drafted a team a, a month later. We went all the way. So you had a quick turnaround. Then once you got down here, yeah, you basically was, had to get ready for the draft at that point. But see, that's that's the best, that was the good thing about me being ready, though. Say mm-hmm. I, I had all the player rankings and stuff ready already. Right. And so prepared. I was pre- super prepared to it. Yeah. And so so the turn turnaround didn't scare me. The turnaround might scare some people. That's that is super short. You don't you don't know what's next because uh, you you kept in the dark about a lot of time a lot of things until it's close to that time. Right. So if you're not ready, then it's like, uh-oh, you know. But I was already ready, you know, drafted a team, went all the way to the finals, and, and you know, now I'm sitting here. So you guys went to the finals that first year, though? Yeah. And so let's let's break that down, the, the draft, because obviously a lot of people hear about it, maybe others are new to it. What is that experience like traditionally, maybe compared traditionally to seeing an NBA draft? Is it pretty much the same, or, or kind of what was your experience with that? Um, draft was, was 
eerily the same as the NBA okay. draft. Um, but you know, with this, with this being esports, a draft usually doesn't happen. You know, right? Regular esports, they just buy their teams or they. I want you. I want you. They're just on social media. Yeah. They might see rankings. They exactly. might just pull them and you know DM so, them. Yeah. This is different. This is different. This is this is a, a league that's sponsored by the NBA. So our model is exactly the same as the NBA. You know, you can like a player all you want to, but if you're not able to draft them, then you know that's tough luck, and right. that's just how it is. Um, but drafters was was crazy. Uh, red carpet, you know, all type of media, camera flashes everywhere you go. So it's a big deal. It's a it's big a event. It's deal. a fun. They you know they hype it up then yeah, while you're first, there. First year was at it was at actually at Madison Square Garden. Okay. Uh, year one was at Madison Square Garden. It was on uh, the NBA uh, TV. Uh, the first round was on NBA TV, and second last year was at. Uh, Barclays, so it's it's yeah. just a crazy, crazy thing for for kids that's just playing video games. You know, yeah. that's all we do is play video games, and and we getting this star treatment right out the gate. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, and I want to talk on this because I thought it was interesting. You talk about your experience with the Heat. I'm a very passionate Miami Heat fan. I've been a huge Miami Heat fan for a while, and I think it's if you follow, it's a well-respected organization, mm-hmm. franchise in the NBA, and classy, high-level executives and all that. Do you think? that has bled into what they're trying to do with 2K and how they're bringing people on? Do you think that's, you know, blends mm-hmm. into you guys? That, that word culture that the Heat throws around, it's not it's not to be taken lightly. Yeah. It's not to be taken lightly. Everything yeah. everything is about the culture of the Heat. You know, everything's going to be resonated back to uh, the Miami Heat way. You know, the Miami, you're going to see so many teams. I think the one thing Michael McCullough tells, like, the, the new players when they come in is, like, you're going to see a lot of teams do a lot of different things. Don't expect that from the Heat. Hmm. And, and it, it can mean anything. Yeah. It can mean it can mean a number of things. It's just how you're going to take it. Just take his wording for that, because he means exactly that. But this this organization is one of those organizations that has done so much for me. They flown mm-hmm. my daughter out here twice um, to surprise me twice. They I flown saw that my, video. Yeah. They flown my mom and my stepdad out here to surprise me um, uh, on a center court of, the, of a Miami Heat game. I got to meet uh, Pat Riley. Um, what was that like? I mean, talk was, about meeting crazy. an NBA legend. So, like, um, that was it was the same time that they flew my mom and my stepdad out to surprise me, and um, they're like, "Okay, follow us." Mm-hmm. So we walking off the court, and I'm just thinking, you know, this is it. You know, they surprised my me when my mom and yeah. dad, <laughs> and all of a sudden I see this figure just over there, that just waiting for me, and he's like, "Hey, famous." I'm like, I, the only word it's I can, Riley. <laughs> only word I can get out was, "You're Pat Riley." You're Pat Riley, and I kept right. saying, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God!" He was like, "And you're famous enough." I was like, "You know me, like you know, type of thing, you know." Right, and, right. And he tells me all about my the season we just had, and I'm like, "This is crazy! This is crazy!" And he tells me like, um, "You're always gonna remember the ones you lost, the 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 finals you lost, but keep that in mind because there's gonna be a lot more to win." Mm-hmm. And that came from Pat Riley to to me to you yeah and I'm just here playing video games I'm just here coaching people that play video games right crazy crazy feeling yeah no I mean you talk about a Godfather not only yeah. the Miami Heat but really of the league in general I'm sure that had to be humbling to yeah. you to hear that from him he told me I was legendary Pat Riley he Pat that's Riley crazy told me I was legendary that's crazy if you if you like if you get on, go on Twitter and you go into the gifts and you search famous enough it's gonna appear Pat Riley give pop up with me that says you're Pat Riley and it says you're legendary he's okay. literally mouthing you're legendary to me it was a crazy feeling that's crazy and then so you go to the finals the first year mm-hmm. who you know who are you guys playing I don't know if you want to chat on that for a second what your experience was yeah. like how the series ended so we played against the Knicks and okay. first off you know we already we, we, I didn't know I don't I don't think I realized how big a, of a deal the finals was going to be um, as far as media coverage was going to be mm-hmm. but it was insane 
it was ins- it was insane. It was more media coverage that I've ever seen. It was more media coverage there for the finals than it had been for like the draft. So it was super insane. And, uh, and it was held, the finals were held where? Uh, at the MA2K League studio that okay. was located in uh, Long Island City. Okay. And so it was it was a crazy feeling. Uh, I, I, it was humbling, of course. Um, we, we ended up losing a series by a total of six points. Wow. We lost, we lost a series by a total of six points, you know. So it was uh, – I think it was heartbreaking, you know. I, right. I, I, I think it was, it was heartbreaking for the simple fact – I don't think you realize – how how difficult it is to lose a finals until you actually do it, mm-hmm. and you have to see that other team celebrate, right? And right. you know, confetti's falling on you while you're trying to walk off or whatever, and it's like we really just we really just lost this. Yeah. And the the, the toughest part is is getting back. Right, you know, right. It, it seems so easy during that season to get there, but after that season is over, you're like, you're how I'm going to get back to this? You know, yeah. it's super hard. So yeah. hard. So the next, the next one, um, uh, which was a crazy story for them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm somebody that's a fan of the league. So uh, even though we lost, I was like, oh my god, we kind of lost to a, a better team, um, better story that they had. They mm-hmm. had a crazy story, and definitely respect their story as well. Yeah. And so as GM and head coach of the Heat, they bring you in. You know, what do what roles and responsibilities do you have? So, which I'm sure is a lot. But so, you know, if you could break that down for us. The funny thing is when, when they brought me in first, uh at first my uh my title was esports coordinator. Okay. And so after like uh the first week or so, it's like we like we're changing your your title. I was like, Okay. It's like we're gonna change it to GM and coach. I said, Okay, okay, cool. And when I first got there, I told them, I said, so um, you guys want me to run, do all this stuff right here, and all I know is 2K. And that's, that's my exact word. I said, <laughs> I said, all I know is 2K. All the right. stuff you guys want me to do, I'm going to need help. They said, oh, no, no problem, no problem. We got you. So it was a learning process for me as far as uh, understanding, like, everything that I had to do day to day. I had to – we traveled every week during the summer. Every single week we traveled during the summer. So yeah. I'm talking about booking flights and booking hotels and – uh, make sure that these guys are are at their obligations. Uh, right. You know, it's more than just playing two K. Two playing two K is the easy part. Right. We have we have to film content. We have to film, when it comes to esports, content is king. Right. So you can be you can be good at the game, but nobody knows you if you don't do content. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna build the culture. You're not exactly. gonna build the fan base. Right. Right. Exactly. So I I have to make sure these guys are always in the right place at the right time and. And I, I tell anytime somebody asks me, you know, what's the difference? What's the, what's the biggest struggles between being a GM and a coach? Being a GM, I got to think long term. Being a coach, I got to think now. Right. So so I got to worry about this team right now when I'm coaching. But being a GM, I got to think about a couple years down the road right. to make sure that the, the team that I'm putting together is going to be able to withstand the, uh, the time. But I can win right now with this team. Right, right, but, right. But it's just a team for for later. That's that's the GM part of it. Right. So it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. I got to deal with apparel, uh, which is which is a nightmare. You know, dealing with apparel, apparel, apparel orders is a nightmare. You got to order enough apparel for. What if you trade somebody? What if you trade three people? What if you trade everybody? Yeah. So you got to make sure you have all that stuff intact for new people that come in as well. Right. So uh, it's it's a bunch of computers. This you know, computers is a nightmare as well. You got to order computers. You got to make sure that that these guys have the right uh, controllers. Uh, what's 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 players are picky. 
these players are picking. Some players want Xbox controllers. Some players want PS4 controllers. Some players want particular brand of controllers. So right. all, all this stuff is part of just just being a GM of like making sure that these players are comfortable. At the end of right. the day, their success is uh, is gonna uh, help my success as well. Right. And so for right now, is it just you then? Do you have anyone else that's not on the player base that's helping you with all this other stuff? Is this it is really the cool thing about the Heat. Anything that I don't know mm-hmm. or I can't do, I tell them. And, yeah. and they like, okay, we'll 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 take you. So for season one, season one, even though I was a GM and a coach, for season one, a lot of the GM duties, they were, it was like split up between different Heat staff that they took care of. And they was like, we're going to show you how to do this. We're going to show you how to do this. Season two, they gave me a little bit more reign. They said, okay, Famous, you need to do this, this, and the third. Season three is starting right now. And they said, here, just go. <laughs> this, you're on your own now. And, yeah. and at this point, I'm like, I understand everything at this point. And yeah. I think I couldn't have came to a better team. I think this was the perfect fit for me as far as being able to learn on the fly, being able to for them to have patience with me, uh, being able to teach me all these different things. Right, right. And so – you know, I, and we were chatting earlier. We had the opportunity to meet this morning. Um, how have you enjoyed Miami? You know, you come from Houston mm-hmm. and, and Indiana, and you come down here, in Miami. So you've been here two year, about two years now, yeah. then, right? Mm-hmm. So how has have you enjoyed that experience? You know? So Miami's so different uh, than anywhere <laughs> I've ever lived at. But even though I live in Houston, which is a big city, mm-hmm. at the, when I lived in Houston, I was a gamer. Right. So all I did was game. All I did was right. stay in. When I moved to um, when I when I got in the army, I was living in Kansas. Mm-hmm. After the army, went back to Houston for about six months, about a year, I think. I was I was home for a year. Then I moved to Indiana for I was in Indiana for three years. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at it like I'm as as an adult. I'm used to everything being so slow because living in Kansas and Indiana. Right, right. And and I and now I moved to Miami, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just looking around everything like right. like this is crazy. This is a crazy place. First time I ever been in Miami was when Miami he flew me down. So it was a bit of a culture shock to them culture from shock. what you were used to. Culture shock. Yeah. And when I moved down, when I moved down here, um, I think I think when I moved down here is when I realized uh, how big my name was getting. Mm-hmm. I had uh, I was walking from Brickle. I was in Brickle. And I was heading towards the arena, mm-hmm. and as I'm walking, some guy just random guy just hey famous enough. I'm like what the hell? I look around <laughs> like I'm looking around and I'm like this guy. I see a guy running and he's waving or whatever. And then the guy gets on the bus and I go. I immediately go to Twitter. I'm like whoever just I just that just saw me in uh in Brickle and in Miami down. I think I said downtown Miami because right. I I couldn't tell the difference when I first moved here. Right, what was what? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I I was like whoever just did that. Uh, I appreciate you or whatever. And then this guy he posts. He said that was me. I was running to catch the bus. Yada yada in third. And I was like that's crazy. So this past year, uh, this past summer that just passed, during our, one of our bye weeks, I had um, I had my daughter for a week for Fourth of July week, mm-hmm. and we're in Target, and uh, she's we like going down like a toy aisle or something, and she's looking for some toys or something, and this guy passes us, and then he comes back, and he's like famous, famous enough, and I'm like yeah, what's going on? And my daughter's just staring at us. And he's like, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, yada, yada, and third. And as right. soon as he leaves, my daughter's my daughter was 11 at the time. As uh-huh. soon as he leaves, my daughter's like, Dad, who's that? I said, it's just some people that that daddy that knows daddy from the way, his work <laughs> or whatever. She's like, yeah, but that's weird. And I was like, yeah, this is this is how it is sometimes. But Miami's so different. I love it here. Right, um, right. I'm, 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 I'm still a homebody. I'm still yeah, a homebody. Yeah, I remember you home- telling me that this morning, right. I'm still a super homebody. But right. Just just to be somewhere that's super cultural, that one day I can eat this, one day I can eat that, 
one day if I want to uh, see different parts of something I could just go to this side of town this side mm-hmm. of town I love it only thing I don't like is traffic <laughs> right right <laughs> that's the only thing I don't like but I, I love it here I, I do like slow but I love it here yeah no that's awesome and so when you come to the heat you're doing all this you're beginning to jump into your roles do you continue the YouTube content with breaking down games and player analysis or that kind of obviously get put to the side or so, what would that look like so uh, when, it, when it happened when I first got here I immediately stopped doing like YouTube and start stopped okay. doing the a player analysis and stuff like that and, and I was like after after like a year or so I was like why did I stop mm-hmm. I know I, I like I'm a people person I'm also a player person and I don't want to get I don't want to lose focus of why why I started doing it why I started doing a famous enough thing which was for the players I, that was the reason I started and it shouldn't have stopped because I got this job, it was still other ways I could have helped promote players that wasn't in the league or something of the sort. Yeah. And so, so when I when I got in, I stopped it for I stopped doing YouTube for two years, and that that hurt me uh, as my my personal growth um, mm-hmm. and my personal brand could have got bigger if I kept going. Right. Um, but I, at the time in my mind, I was like, I'd be giving away too much information to other teams. Shout out to third. And then I talked to the, with the with the Heat after this past season that passed that just happened, and I told them like I kind of want to get back into this yada yada. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, that's fine, but you know always think about integrity. If you're going to talk about players, make sure you're giving the right information and this that and the right. third. I was like yeah, of course, you know that's 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 right. what I want to do. I want to give all I still want to give players a chance that, that give players a voice that don't have a voice, right. uh, even though I'm in a role that I'm in right now. Right, right. You know, no, you have a bigger spotlight on you now. Yeah. Obviously, as your brands continue to grow. Um, yeah. No, that's interesting. And so how has it been? You know, we were chatting before we went live here for a second and you said that you grew up playing basketball, you know, traditional sport on the court. Mm -hmm. Um, How have or if you want to talk on those experiences a little bit and now as a coach, how does that, you know, go into coaching a 2K team, which is the video game version? You know, how do those blend? So it's so crazy because um, I play I played varsity basketball uh, all four years of of high school. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna say three years because. First two years, I, I, did, I was playing decent. I was coming off the bench, and then right when it's time for me to start or whatever, uh, in my my junior year, I broke my ankle. Oh. And, uh, uh, broke my ankle wearing like some N one slip ons or something, something. Oh, so those, those back, those N one, yeah, yeah, that's a throwback. <laughs> some N one slip ons or something. And I right. broke, broke my ankle right before the season started. So I think I only played like three games at the end of the season or something like that. And uh, my senior year, I was I was starting then and. I played I played power forward back then. We was a small to, small team, um, but you know it, it was a decent team. We ended up getting kicked out of our district because because it was a fight happened on a game or something. Other yeah. they kicked us out of the district. So we was basically playing games for fun at that point. We, like these are free games for everybody. Right, right. But uh, but yeah. So when it comes to like two K and basketball, the concepts will always be the same. But these players that that are playing two K, a lot of them don't know like basketball concepts and you kind of got to teach it to them you know if I say if I say pistol 21 they, they don't they don't know that so mm-hmm. I gotta say overload or something okay. you know their 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 minds are are set on particular wordage mm-hmm. compared to traditional basketball you just got to find the right the right fit uh the right words to, to let them know you know I, I can't I, I can't constantly say pistol 21 pistol 21 but if I say overload then they, they automatically know exactly what I'm talking about right so so that's 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 the world I've taken the last two years of just simplifying the game for them yeah um super um a lot of them know they know they know basketball but like I said the, the concepts and the terminology is is different for 2k players uh to traditional basketball right do you find that a lot of them had grown up playing basketball and you know because for me I know for me when I was in high school played a lot of, obviously at the high school level and I played a lot of AU travel ball 
2K was huge then because, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you went for a tournament for a weekend, mm-hmm. you go, you play a bunch of games that night, someone's got their Xbox or their PlayStation, and you play. So did you find that a lot of players have come from backgrounds like that, or they just had hopped into the 2K game and they were good at it? What's, what's funny is that uh, it's probably only like in a league, it's probably, in a 2K league, it's probably only like 10 out of the 100 plus mm-hmm. that, that actually play basketball. Interesting, okay. So yeah. a, a lot of these guys, they're just good at the game. They're yeah. just good at the game. And, and, and you know, we, we always talk about, um, we was talking about it earlier, uh, why, why would people watch, why would people watch this mm-hmm. type of thing? But it's the same concept. You watch regular basketball. Right. Well, you watch regular basketball because those players are, are the best at what they do. The, you watch so you will watch esports for the same reason. These mm-hmm. players are the are the best at what they do, and a lot of people say, "Oh, I can beat them." No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't. It's, yeah. it's 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 a big difference, and, and that that thin line is always going to be there for when it comes to to uh, a, a traditional sport having an esport like like the NBA Two K League. Mm-hmm. People going to think they're better than a lot of these players, but. To, they're, they're really not and, right. and we can we would be glad to prove that they're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> have, a t- have a local tournament and let people come in and, <laughs> exactly. I mean I'm sure you might have a few people that are good but I don't think yeah. the majority yeah no that's interesting um and then so on on the player base you did you ever want to play as a player in the league I know you had talked about that a little bit earlier how you wanted to take the business side of it did you just not have as much of a passion or desire to be competitive and be the player, or kind of what made you make that decision? So, back when I made the, the came up with famous enough, and I was I was taking like 14, 15 hours a day doing this thing, and then I would try to play the game at nighttime. My girlfriend was like, uh uh-uh. uh, she was like, you need to choose one. It's one or the other. <laughs> you're either gonna do you're either gonna do the famous enough thing or you're yeah. gonna play. You're not gonna do both of them. Right. So uh, I, I chose the famous enough thing. So I play every once in a while. And I'm, I'm, I still, I still can play the game, but when it comes to like the pro players that are in the league, I'm, I'm definitely not better than them. Yeah. Definitely not better yeah. than them. If I would have kept playing, that's a different story. But at this point, you know, <laughs> I know for a fact I'm not better than them. I've had to, I've had to scrimmage uh, some of these step in on scrimmages and, and play for one of my guys every once a couple times. And I do good some games. The other games, like, yeah, I'm, I'm on the right side of the fence. Right, right. No, and it's funny because a lot of people hear that, you know, right? If you're new to esports or if you're hearing about it, a lot of people, you know, a lot of parents specifically, they're growing up watching or they're raising their children, mm-hmm. watching them play. Other people play video games. They don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best analogy is, you know, why do you watch the NBA? Yeah. Why do you watch golf? Why do you watch football? Um, and so have you – how do you guys do you guys do anything to try to address that or, or help that conversation is there any like content that you guys put out in, in, to help that conversation or that it's, it's a healthy conversation you okay. know it, it is a healthy conversation um there, there's a there's this thing you know a lot of a lot of players nba players they they play 2k mm-hmm. and you know you might find them streaming or playing with some of our guys every once in a while because you know they want to play with the best players yeah but in, a, in the grand scheme of things you know the the best players are going to be in this league in our league the best players are going to be in the league when it comes to conversation about watching it like that traditional sports i don't think that's going to ever go away for for these traditional fans or yeah yeah you know, we, we get mocked all the time about oh my god because like the nba will you know the nba twitter will put something out about our league or something we might get mocked here and there but mm-hmm. you know we we know that that what we're doing we're professionals at what we do that we are the best at what we do and we also know that 
we're not going to step in the NBA player's lane and go to, get on the court because obviously they're going to beat us. Right, but right, right. It's, it's too it's, separate. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, 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 uh, we just try to keep our keep our cool about it uh, when right. we get mocked because th- those fans, those same fans, they don't do that to NBA players. They just do it to us because they oh they're nervous to stand up there, you know right. that, that type of conversation. But right. you know we you know we we're, we're here to educate. You know, we're here to show you that we are the best at what we do. We're, mm-hmm. we're here to we're here to do all that. Yeah. You know, and, and another thing is, um, you mentioned the parents. Um, right. I always tell parents uh, that um, there, there's more there's more jobs in esports than just playing. Yes. And, and so, yes. like, uh, we we do a lot of events at schools and stuff like that. And you know, some parents are there. And I always I tell I tell every kid stay in school. I mean, you know, it's it's a you have that you have always had the time to play the game. The school is going to come first, but I, I also want to know parents to know that you know, there's I'm I'm a GM, right? I'm a coach, right? The person that's filming this is a videographer, right? This person over here is a photographer. This person right here got to edit it. This person right here got to hook up the the broadcast. You know, this there's a million jobs in esports, and, right. and if your kids loves just love playing, they might be they might be playing for that goal. They might not just be playing to play the game. Uh, to get to become a pro at that, they may be playing mm-hmm. for the other goal of being on the other side of it, which is a very lucrative job as well. Yeah, no, I'm super glad that you're bringing this up because this is something that I try to hit on. We actually were speaking two weekends ago in Tampa, and it was for the local community to kind of educate them, and, and this topic came up. And, you know, esports has obviously been around for a couple of years now or for a while. You can date it back however far you want to on cert- based on certain things. But Everyone, I think now kids are growing up thinking they have to be the professional player or they have to go competitive. And the parents then are understanding, oh, they have to be the best of the Mm -hmm. best. But like you're saying, to your point, you could be a photographer that grows up, loves playing video games, and then goes into the photography and esports team, which is really no different than growing up with a passion for the NFL, Mm -hmm. professional football. You may not play as a player, but you're going to go in there, you're going to be a photographer for the league, and you still get to have both passions, right? So You know, I always go back to... To, to Ninja, Ninja mm-hmm. doesn't handle his day to day. His right. wife handles his day to day. Right. You know that that's his manager. His right. wife actually manages his career, and it, it goes under the radar. So this 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 couple is a power couple that has that has secured millions and millions of dollars, and his wife don't play the game. His wife just takes care of everything else. Yeah. And you know that's it's, it's so many careers in this man. It's so many careers, and there's so many careers that haven't even been made yet. That's going to be coming out. So right. You know, it's it's all about it's all about the person. Right. And so you mentioned you know this this two separates. You have the 2K league and the NBA league, but you mentioned that you do have pro players who obviously have a passion for gaming. Um, you know, for example, I think of on the heat. You know, you have Myers Leonard, mm-hmm. who is a huge gaming fan, loves gaming. You know, I think of Josh Hart as another guy. Do you see those guys in the league that that have this passion? Do they are they beginning to offer assistance? Or I don't know if that's the right word, but are they beginning to you know help in ways that they can or collaborate or, or what's the scene with that? Um, this is a tricky question um, because right. uh, uh, they can they we can approach them. Okay. But but they can approach us about like doing content. Gotcha. That's right. kind of like the guidelines for it's, it. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's a it's a collective bargaining agreement thing. Um, okay. That's that's protected that protects the NBA players from being from them, from being used basically. You know. Right. We're we're a new league. Uh, that's it is it is owned by the NBA, but it also wants to protect the players. Uh, that's in the NBA. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. No, and it'll be interesting because you see a lot of pro athletes now in different areas yeah. that that have the passion, and and I think it helps push esports forward. It helps push gaming yeah. forward because you see everyone's favorite athlete and they're into it. So. It's interesting. Um, 
And so what about you guys right now with, with the Heat? What is Where are you guys at as, as a team? Kind of what are you guys looking forward to um, in 2020? I know you have the draft coming up. Um, so kind of what's on your guys' mind big, beginning this year? Yeah, this draft is going to be big. We have uh, only have one player on my roster. Each roster is supposed to be six players. I have one player. I have five draft picks this, this coming draft, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I mean, we're looking to, to get back to the finals. Uh, that's that's the belly of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody wants to uh, have their expectations low. Let's just let's just be able to win a team. You know, let's just go make the playoffs. No, I want to get back to the finals. Right. That right. that that taste for that finals was was good. And now you've had it. Now I've had so now it. You want to go back? You know, I want to go back. <laughs> oh, you know, there's only four teams that has made it to the finals and it's league yeah. so far. It's only been two two uh, two championships. So we're it's 23 teams in this league. So we're one of those teams that went. And we want to go back, right? So right. that's that's our goal right now to build a winning team that's going to help us get back. Yeah, and, and speaking of teams, you guys have twenty three teams. Gen G has you know not recently, but in the past couple of months, mm-hmm. joined with an international team. What do you, as a GM, you know, sitting in the Miami Heat office, how do you think that helps the league? Is that something that excites you? You know, is it, is the international imprint good for the two K league? You know, what are you, what are your it's thoughts big. on that? It's big. Yeah, it's that that market alone is 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 a huge market. You know, mm-hmm. and. Gen G, Gen G came in, and I was like, at first I was like, this is going to be interesting. And as I sat back, I was like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> you know, my, my whole my whole vocal tone changed after thinking about it because right. um, we, we had two international tournaments this past, this past the last couple of months. We had one in Europe, and we had one in, uh, uh, it was the Asia-Pacific region. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we picked players from those two tournaments to enter our draft pool um, that's coming up. So... The, the Gen G effect is going to be huge for this league. It's going to grow our league. It's going to grow the fan base. And I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and do you think if, if we look at traditional sports, there's a different style of play, right? If you're playing traditional, not traditional, but if you're playing basketball here in the United States, it might different, be different from European. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll see that in the 2K league where they'll have a different style of play compared to teams in the U.S.? Or, or actually, not with, with the game, with the way it is? I think I actually think those players uh, in the Asia-Pacific region are really good. I, I think they're really good. Um, it's, it's pretty much the same basketball style. Everything everything in our league is pretty much high pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And, and it's certain teams that throw in different wrinkles and different different concepts and, and different things like that. So it'll be interesting to see exactly uh, – how how they how they implement uh, these these players from overseas? Yeah, and, and I wanted to to talk about this as your role when you're recruiting, right, for the upcoming draft. What does that look like for you? How do you go about the recruiting process? I don't know if you want to talk about the combine a little bit, how players are coming through, and how there's that that pipeline about, for them. I'm talking about long hours, man. <laughs> you're talking about long hours, uh, right? The, the combine is a is a three week event. Uh, players have to qualify for the combine by I think this year they had to qualify by winning. 50 games and it had to be 50% win percentage or something to make it to the combine. Mm-hmm. And as the combine starts, it's a the it's certain play windows like every three or four hours or something that you can actually play in the combine. And then you have these windows that's like two to six a.m. or something like that, or it's something crazy something like crazy, four, yeah. four to eight a.m. or something like that. And that's just to benefit uh, players that's playing overseas, like in Europe and Asia, mm-hmm. so they can have particular windows that's at decent times for them. But the North American players are like, I need to get games in too, so they still play on those windows. And my sleep schedule, uh, my sleep schedule just got fixed this past, <laughs> like like two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I was literally going to bed at like 10 a.m. I was going to sleep at like 10 a.m. for for about a month and a half. Wow. And and so it literally just got fixed. And I'm like, 
right before the, the process of us starting to interview players that made our draft pool, I was like, okay, I have to fix my season schedule. I had to fix. I had to fix it, and just just to be able to interview people at a, a decent time. And that, but yeah, the, the the combine is in the same process where these players are playing uncomfortable, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You, you're playing with you're playing with four of the people that you have no idea who who they are. Um, not people that you normally play with, not people that's on your same skill level, and you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. Yeah. But you have to play together, you know. So yeah. it, it's it's an awkward feeling for a lot of players. But I always tell everybody, like they players say, the combine is not a good system. This, that, and the third. And I always tell them, well, if it's not a good system, then the people that made it last year wouldn't have made it. People right. who made it before that wouldn't have made it. Right. And these are your peers. These are players that you played with, mm-hmm. and they made it. So if they can make it, then you can do it. You know. Right. So I just try to get that in their mind that you know that you can't be negative. Like if you if you go into this with a negative mindset, then you're going to do terrible at it. Yeah. And so uh, that's that was my main thing to push the players that just be positive about the situation and just get through it. Yeah. You can get through it, and you know you're in a draft pool. Yeah. Blank. And now we're in the, right now we're in a process of. Uh, of doing interviews with players. So players that made a draft pool, 225 players or something like that that made a draft pool. And uh, you, we have the opportunity as individual teams to you know contact them and set up interviews with them over Skype or over phone calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just, just to get a better understanding of those players. Uh, I think it's been open since January 20th that we've been able to interview yeah. every players. I've interviewed forty players already. And, wow! And it's, yeah, it's it's a tire. It's a long, yeah. long, some long days, and it's super tiring. And you know, we're just trying to trying to find the best five players for our team. Yeah. Well, something that I think is great about the two K league is the fact that you guys do have you could say a pipeline, right? You have yeah. the combine that brings up. There's obviously a lot of long hours on your end, but it's a very thorough process, yeah. right? And and we saw earlier how in traditional esports, maybe for other games, it might just be from seeing the competitive online ladder and teams then DM. What do you think for, for esports to continue to push forward, for it to continue to have more formalization or structure? Do you like the idea of how the NBA has their style or do you think the other traditional style or do you think it just depends on the games that you're playing? I think I think it depends on the games, to be honest okay. with you. I think this works best for us because we're modeled after the actual NBA and what, what the NBA 2K League want, is, is trying to do is bring NBA fans over to the NBA 2K League. Mm-hmm. So say for instance, if Say for instance, if you like the Miami Heat or whatever, and you have a, a son, and you want to take a, your son to the Miami Heat game, you go buy uh, a Bam Adebayo jersey or whatever. In the same store, that would be a Heat Check Gaming jerseys in as well. So your son might want a Heat Check Gaming jersey instead of that. that that's that's what they're trying to bridge into. So this this aspect is that's why we have this process like the combine that's modeled after the NBA, um, so we can we can get those traditional fans over because this is similar. And yeah. that's what we're trying to teach. That's what we're trying to teach in, uh, traditional uh, fans. This is super similar. It's just digital. Yeah, yeah. And so, I just for for a couple minutes here, we can talk about just esports rising as a whole. Mm-hmm. What do you think culturally the impact that has? You know, I know this morning you and I were both at, at a ribbon cutting um, for basically a gaming center that was put up for a lower income area. What do you think? Or what are some of the advantages that just like traditional sports can provide for for communities? How do you think esports also plays into that role? Even like back in the day, like uh, my mom used to always say, "Go outside, you know, or put me in sports or something like that," mm-hmm. you know. And now it's the same concept as back in the day, but it's it's just it's just video gaming. 
yeah. that video gaming. Uh, I don't think people realize the type of hand-eye coordination that goes into playing video games. I don't think people realize that. So it's a lot of different things. Uh, right. It's a lot of different things that's, that's similar as, as back in the day, but it's just now it's, it's, it's going towards video gaming. Esports is something that's new, so, so it's going to be a lot of – it's going to be some backlash for it, of course. But yeah. when people start seeing the, the, uh, the, the aspect, the good aspects of it, they're like, okay. Like I used to always tell my girlfriend uh, when I used to play the game all the time, I'd be like, well, at least I'm not out, you know. I'm, at least I'm in the house, you know. You know right. where I'm at, <laughs> right? You know, right. That type of thing, and, and that's that's a, that's the main thing. Like I'm super safe. Like playing yeah. video games is not something that's that's dangerous at all. Like, yeah. We know where you're at at all times, and, and it's it's a safe haven. Safe haven. A lot of people say you've been. I've been antisocial. I got to talk to people every day on on in parties right. and stuff online. I'm being social. Right, it's just that right. I'm just not. It's not in person. It's, right. it's, it's, it's things change. Like social media has changed everything. Everything right now is digital and online and everything like that. So um, that's where more of kids and stuff are not. They're not. They're not going outside as much. Mm-hmm. But we know where they're at. Yeah, you know, you know that that type of thing. So I, I I love the fact that esports is a thing now. I love the, the fact that it's getting bigger and bigger, and uh, I I see it getting even bigger. Yeah, no, I think it'll as we continue to put more of a spotlight on it as the education continues to go out, as more events, you know, you see prize pools continue to rise, you see tournaments starting to increase in number. I think all that'll you know continue to push the industry forward and. In five, ten years, you, you really don't know what it's going to look like. So The checks are going to be big. <laughs> That's what it's going <laughs> to look like. Yeah. Well, we're going to start to wind down. We usually, or I usually, we have the Lodges Light 7, which is seven questions kind of winded down. I kind of wanted to mix it up since we're in Miami alive. I'm just going to ask you three questions. Okay. Um, first one is, you, you've only been here for two years. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite food spot in Miami? Coyo Taco. Okay. I love it. Okay. Like that was the first place I ever found. Like I was when I moved here. When I moved here, uh, they had me in a hotel in Brickell, and Koyo was like the closest thing there. I was like, let me go see what this place is about. I was like, oh, and then I found out they might have one, made one in Coral Gables. Koyo's right there. Like Koyo Taco is my favorite place to go. Okay, nice. What is what would you say is your favorite place, or you have like a favorite spot in the city that you found, and, and that's just kind of your favorite spot to go to, or a favorite attraction? You know what? Where do you like to spend your downtime if you're gonna go out and do something? It's gonna sound so weird, but American Airlines Arena. Really, okay. I, I I walk into that arena. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm really here because of video games. It's just one of those things where I'm just astonished every time I walk in there. Uh, as far I've came, just based off me knowing 2K. No, I mean you're walking into an arena that has historic yeah. moments. So I can imagine that walking in when you walk in there, you just gotta have a moment, and be like, wow, I'm here. <laughs> Um and then last question it's Super Bowl weekend so who who do you, who's your who's your early pick who do you think I don't think you can bet against Mahomes right now okay like like I I I want I like the defense for for the Forty Niners but mm-hmm. Mahomes is so tough he's, yeah. he's 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 a difference maker so I, I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs okay. Cool. All right. Well, hey, Derek, I appreciate you coming on. Um, for for everybody listening, I appreciate you guys tuning in as well. Again, this was episode 28 with Derek Franklin, the GM and head coach of the Miami Heat, also known as Famous Enough. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, everything you Famous Enough. Why all you Famous Enough? Everything. Nice, nice. Well, this will end it probably for the audio portion. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial, on Twitter at Lodges, on eFuse at Lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. 
Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.